All right, welcome back to another Three Rings podcast. First off, I'd like to um, let you know to like and subscribe, um, as always. But then we got Neil back with us. And then, as always, Vinayak, how we doing? Doing well, man. Draft lottery's coming up, so... We're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna get either get my heart broken tomorrow. What else is new? Or gonna figure. We're gonna get something else. We're gonna celebrate. So, a little anxious, but you know it's good. And conference conference finals are set, so that's great. My boy Neil also came back from Europe. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, I was away for like two weeks, but we back now. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't seen NBA basketball. Uh, or I hadn't until this past weekend. So this will be this will be an interesting episode for me. But um, but yeah, no, I'm happy to be back. And yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I mean, first we can talk about our playoff predictions from a few weeks ago. Uh, it's not looking too great for me, at least. I did pick the Brooklyn Nets going a little further than most. Um, but the Celtics ruined that for me. We did uh, hit on the Golden State Warriors, though, as they have advanced to the conference finals, as well as the Miami Heat, which, I mean, they're the one seed, but it still kind of is a little bit of a surprise to some. Um, and also the Mavs, Luka has taken over. He scored as many points as the Suns did yesterday in the first half. And Spencer Dinwiddie, former Piston, also had himself a night after uh, cryptocurrency is now plummeting. And he had part of his salary in crypto and NFTs. So he's making that money back right now. So, yeah. Um, along with the Bucks kind of being disappointing, have a, have a um, bad game seven and just kind of series in general, their supporting cast wasn't that great and they definitely missed Chris Middleton um I mean we can we can talk about that a little if you guys want to to start I, I just want to say real quick uh like one of our podcasts I think like it was at the trade deadline we talked about what the Mavericks are doing in terms of team building and we just roasted the shit we roasted the hell out of them and now it's kind of funny to see them now they're in the conference finals and I just want to say man I'm personally I'm out on the DeAndre Ayton sweeps that I'd if the Pistons want to get him, I don't think he's worth the max. I just feel like this series really showed that he, I don't know, he just plays kind of kind of soft. I don't know how else to describe it, but um, I mean, he didn't even play. He only played like 17 minutes in the game seven. But, man, you got to feel for Chris Paul, like 36. I mean, now he's going to be like 37. And this was kind of the year, you know, and it's like I feel like this year was another chance they had to win it. When, again, it's not like the competition was that much. I mean, the Warriors are our threat and the Celtics are good, but felt like it was Phoenix's year. So tough for them. But yeah, yo, we, like you said, we hit on our Warriors predictions and, you know, we didn't get the Nets, but um, I got faith in the Heat. So that's that's where I'm at currently. Yeah, I mean, Aiden, you kind of hit on it a second ago, but like, isn't it weird that the one and two seeds in the Eastern Conference both make the conference finals there? And yet everyone's like surprised that they did. Like it's just it's it's just weird that it's Miami and Boston. I don't think really too many people expected it, but when you look at their seating, I mean, they're supposed to be there. 
So I don't know. That's that's going to be an interesting series. I think Boston has shocked everybody because the idea that they would sweep the Nets and then go out and beat a very good Milwaukee team. I know they're they were minus Chris Middleton, but still, uh, I mean, that was impressive, man. I think Boston looks good to make the to make the finals right now. And then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, Golden State. We've been a Golden State podcast since the start of the season. Aiden and I, we've been saying that they would go far in the playoffs since nobody believed in them at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I mean, good for them. You know, I'm happy for uh, for Steph and Draymond. I'm, I'm not going to lie, by the way. I'm starting to actually like Draymond Green, as crazy as that sounds, because I've always hated that dude, like, my, my whole life, because, of course, he went to state, and then I swear he was just – I don't know. Everybody hated him in, like, 2016. So, but, yeah, you know, I'm kind of rooting for them, and then – you know, Dallas, it's just, it's insane what Jason Kidd and Luca have done with that team. I mean, just, I, I, there's nothing else to say, just an unbelievable job um, by both of those guys and the rest of that supporting cast. So it's going to be an interesting, you know, conference finals. I personally think it's Warriors and Celtics in the, in the finals. And then I think the Warriors probably take it home, but Boston at this point, man, that defense is just insane. I mean, Marcus Smart is just fantastic defensively. Jason Tatum looked good. Like, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, but I think we're in for a good ending here. Yeah, and Vinay, you also touched on the supporting cast of the Mavs. I mean, I think the Celtics might have a worse supporting cast top to bottom. I mean, you look at Smart and Grant Williams have been really playing well. Um, But the rest of that squad, you know, you have like Daniel Tice and Rob, Rob Williams has been a little underwhelming, especially in this playoffs. Hey, man, then, Pey- Peyton Pritchard, though. <laughs> Peyton Pritchard. Though. He was kind of nice with it in game seven. <laughs> yeah. So was Grant. Grant Williams. Yeah, yeah, with those 17 three point attempts. Like, how? I don't know. I mean, how you win a game seven playoff game with Grant Williams shooting 17 three pointers? Like, yeah, he, he was making them to be fair, but yeah, that, yeah that's insane. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Tatum looks like he's a future MVP. He looks legit. Um, I mean, Giannis scored like multiple 40 point games in that series, and it still didn't do anything for them. Um, their supporting cast was underwhelming. And I think a lot of people are questioning Mike Budenholzer's future with the Bucks as they should and I think that whole tree of coaches because Taylor Jenkins for Memphis had like an atrocious series coaching and I think that that has been like both of those teams has just been a problem for them is that you know they have the players but it's putting it together with the coaching and I think that that'll be the Bucks' struggle for the next couple of years if they decide to keep him. But, I mean, if you look at the Heat, I mean, the Heat culture, obviously, everyone talks about that. They're the king of role players. Like, Eric Spolstra knows how to get the, the most out of these guys. I mean, Max Strews is someone who's emerged and, you know, filled in for Duncan Robinson, who's struggled recently and just balled out and Jimmy Butler's had a hell of a playoff so far. I think that hasn't been talked about as much is that Jimmy Butler has been pro- 
probably one of the three best players in the playoffs so far, just all around. He's way better offensively than he's usually been. I think that he could easily make it to the finals. Um, but obviously Boston has uh has proved me wrong so far already. So I'm not I'm not going that far yet. No, what you said about like the or actually just first to touch on the heat. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'm actually probably gonna pick the heat to beat the Celtics only just because yes, Jason Tatum, like if y'all saw that game six, the way he just took over, you dropped like 46. It was ridiculous. But the Bucs, I, I, I want to say they in game seven, they shot four for 34 from like three. That's what I like saw. And that's basically the fact that it was a game in the first half is, I mean, props to them. And I also think if Chris Middleton was there, it'd probably be a different story. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm Heat and Warriors for for the finals and what i'll say though about the coaching and i just kind of want to touch on memphis man like dylan brooks like i know we talked about draymond green being a likable player but dylan brooks may have played himself into the most unlikable player like of all i was describing him as like a josh jackson with like a bigger role i don't know because like like he dropped 30 points in that final game but like all those shots you're thinking like no 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 oh thank god thank god you know it's like it's like a disaster waiting to happen and I don't know. I know Memphis, they they had a good seat, good season and stuff like that. But I think making the next step and if I'm thinking them as like a championship team, I don't know if Dylan Brooks is on that team, to be honest. You know, they have pieces. Bain is really good. Uh, John Morant's great. Tyus Jones is nice with it. Jaron Jackson, too. But Dylan Brooks, I don't know. He, he got to go. I'm sorry. He's just I, he's so unlikable. I don't know. What do you all think about I mean- it? And Pat Bev going on first take. And Pat, just that's, his that's, Twitter. He's beefing with Dame. Pat Bev right now. Scary, bro. Man's woke up at 4 30 a.m. to clown Chris Paul on first. I mean, take. I mean, I just don't get it. Like, how are you gonna clown him when you have as as many championships as him? Like, you don't have any rings either. Like, what what are you talking about? And he literally lost. He lost to Memphis, like in the first round. Like, dude, just shut up sometimes. But I think I think I get where you're coming from, Neil, about like hating Draymond, because I I can see from other fan bases why he's a hateable player, but he definitely like way more thought out in his like trash talking. He definitely is a lot, you know, smarter about like what to say, when to say it. Um, uh, yeah, I think Jimmy Butler is the same way. He knows he knows when to talk and when to shut up. And I think that's a, the difference between them and guys like Pat Bev. And Draymond and Jimmy can back it up with their play. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, Draymond, he's – I think he's learned a lot his past few years too. I think he's matured a lot because that dude is a mature guy. Um, I mean, you know, whatever he does after basketball, he'll be successful. And I think everyone knows it'll probably be NBA on TNT. Um, but you know, he's just, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. And like you said, he means every word he says, but he doesn't say any words, you know, just to say them, which I think is a, a thing that a lot of other like bad trash talkers do they just talk a lot but there's not really any meaning to it they just talk talk um and Draymond means it though so 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been starting to like what he's saying. Um, I was going to say one of the things that he said was against Memphis, they lost Golden State lost game five. And that was Memphis didn't even have John that game. So that was a little embarrassing for the Warriors, but especially because they lost by like what, 35 or something. But it was bad. Um, yeah, that, that was a bad, bad game for the Warriors. But you know what? Memphis right after started talking nonstop. And Draymond had an interview. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he was like, that's what we call front runners. When they when they win one game, they start talking nonstop. That's been Memphis all year. And like I haven't really had many issues with the Grizzlies, but dude, man, do they talk. Like Jesus Christ. Dylan Brooks being one of them. John Morant. They just talk so much when they win quite a few regular season games. Like do it in the playoffs. And I'm not just talking first round. You know what I mean? And listen, I understand it's a young team. Memphis has – they'll be going places in the future, make no mistake about it, especially when you have John Morant. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm with Draymond on that one. They got to they gotta pipe it down a little bit. Um, I was going to ask you guys this, though. Of the teams that just got knocked out, of the four teams, so Philadelphia, um, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Memphis, you know, what – what team is in the best situation for next year, do you think? And I'll, I'll talk about one team specifically um, after you guys answer that. I mean, I think it's Milwaukee just because Giannis is the best player in the world right now. Uh, I think I'm going to say that pretty confidently and that he's going to continue to be the best player in the world for the next couple of years um, unless a guy like, Tatum or Luca makes an even further jump, like, like has to be like God level. But I mean, he's just unstoppable, and I think that alone is enough to be like in the best position. I will say this: I think the Suns are in the worst position of those four teams. Um, I feel like that might be a hot take to some. But if Aiton's contract is coming up, um, you got Chris Paul, who's 36 now, and you lose him. I mean, you're just stuck with Booker and Bridges. And, like, yeah, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder is fine. But, but those guys are definitely, like, expendable. So I think they're in the worst spot right now because I don't think Booker can carry it by himself. But uh, what do you what do you think, Vinayak or Neil? You can talk about that right now too. Yeah, I was just gonna say on the flip side, like who do you guys think is the worst team? So you answer that. But um, I'm with you. I think Milwaukee is certainly in the best position. You know, they have the best player in the world right now, and, and I don't think it's that close, frankly. Giannis is that good. The fact that Milwaukee even reached the conference semifinals um, and kept it as close as they did without Chris Middleton is just a testament to what Giannis has been doing. But on the flip side of things, um, and you know what, I'll get into DeAndre Aiden. We'll talk about that after this question. Um, But I'm going to say just to be, just to not say Phoenix, um, I'll go with Philadelphia because I think they're in a very, precarious position right now and that the James Harden situation is not good. It's not good. He has a player's option. And so right when he got traded to Philadelphia, if you guys remember, everyone was saying, well, 
he's just going to decline it. And then he's going to go out and get more money or go to a different team. It's gotten so bad with James Harden now that like, he's just going to accept that deal because he's not even worth it anymore. Like Philadelphia is going to have to pay him 45 million or what I, I need to find the exact amount. I'm pretty sure it's like 45 million next year because he's accepting that he already went out in the press and said he'll be in Philadelphia next year. I don't think it's a good thing, frankly. Harden is not that guy anymore. Even Joel Embiid said it in his press conference. Um, not that, not that I don't, I don't think he meant that in the way that it came across. I think he was just trying to make the point that James is much more of a playmaker than he was in the past. But there could be, you know, a slight to what he said of that he's just not the same guy he used to be. And so I think Philadelphia is in a tough position. I've been saying this that Joel Embiid, man, that dude is loyal, like like crazy loyal. And the fact that he played with the broken face and everything in that series is extremely impressive. But if I'm Philadelphia, they need Daryl Morey, like they need to be aggressive in the trade market and find him some more help because it's not getting it done right now. And if, I'm telling you right now, if they bring back James Harden and Tobias Harris, the same group, they're not going anywhere next year, even if MB is fully healthy. Like I think the best they make it is the Eastern conference finals. So they need to figure it out because I think MB is going to start getting frustrated, but, but yeah, Vinay, what do you, what do you think? Um, who's, who's in the best position? Who's in the worst of the eliminated teams? And then after we'll talk about DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, no, um, worst position, I'm actually with you. I think Philadelphia is, Phoenix is in a bad position right now, but I think Philadelphia is in a, wor- in a worse position because where do you go from here? Exactly, like you said, James Harden. Un- I'd like to think he's the same James Harden from Houston, who apparently, when I looked up his stats like three days ago, man's averaged 36 points in a season. Like, that's ridiculous, but it's clear he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have like that explosive first step. And he can still be a crafty playmaker, but he's not, the same player and then you're going to have to pay him 45 million dollars Tyrese Maxey is a bright spot but we're I mean it's it's kind of just like here we go again and also with Joel Embiid he's a loyal player but um injuries man injuries have been killing kind of their prime in a sense it's that's not to Embiid's fault or anyone's fault really but you have to kind of weigh that now Danny Green got I think towards ACL like it's a it's kind of a tricky situation as these players get older so I would definitely say Philadelphia is in the worst. For the best position, I would probably say uh, Aiden in Milwaukee, which I think is good. I'd also say Memphis, just because of how young they are and how much time. I mean, the fact that I don't think anyone expected them to be the 2C. They kind of overachieved the season. And it's not like an overachieving type of like, you know, where Trey Young took the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals, where you can argue perhaps like got a little bit lucky. Ben Simmons was a little bit not as aggressive as you'd like, but uh but um, yeah, I think this was like they were. It wasn't a fluke for the Grizzlies, and if they build their team correctly, they make the right trades. If they get past Dylan Brooks, maybe get. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna come at him. But uh, if they keep if they keep making the right moves, I definitely could see uh, Memphis being a contender as long as they have Jaw and Jaron Jackson learns how to not foul people. I mean, they this um sky's the limit for them. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, Vinay, you've already touched on this topic, but um, we got to talk about DeAndre Aiden. Um, I think that this past the playoffs run um, was is going to be huge for if DeAndre Aiden comes back. I mean, I was saying all along, if Phoenix somehow goes all the way, I think there's no way they let 
Aiden walk. If they make the conference finals, it's a little testy. Maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they only reached the conference semis and Deandre Aiden, like Vinayak said earlier, did not look good in this series. He did not, not look good at all. And Phoenix is in a tough position to go along with what Aiden just said of their payroll. The Phoenix Suns are paying 128 million right now for next year. That's that's their salary total. And that's without DeAndre Aiden's contract. So can they really offer him, you know, a deal? Can they even afford that? I don't know, because they're going to be so far in the luxury tax that it's going to be very tough for ownership to be able to swallow that. And you got to understand with the past year and a half and the DeAndre Aiden uh, reports of max contracts and everything, this all started last year after the finals when Aiden went to the Suns ownership and asked for a full a max contract extension. The Suns ownership said they didn't think he deserved it. So then there are all the reports of there was a bad relationship be- between him and ownership and some of the coaches even. And then Aiden plays relatively well in the regular season this year and then lays a dud in this past series against the Dallas Mavericks. And so, and then of course now, by the way, in game seven, Monty Williams only played him 17 minutes and he was asked about it in the press conference after. And all he said was that there were internal issues. So it doesn't look good. It doesn't look likely anymore that DeAndre Aiden returns to the Phoenix Suns. And frankly, I just, I'm not sure that it's even possible when you look at, like I said, with the salaries, Devin Booker is making 33 million for the next two years. Chris Paul has three years left on his contract, making almost 30 million a year. And then Mikal Bridges got that five-year extension where he's making over 20, 20 million the rest of the four years of the deal. So they don't have the cap space. And so if, if he's coming back, they're going to have to trade somebody. And that's if he comes back. So now the question is, if you're Troy Weaver and you're the Detroit Pistons, do you go out and offer him a max deal in free agency or maybe not a max deal? Do you try to get him in free agency? I don't think any GM in their right mind is giving him a max. I think I could see a, a worse organization like Charlotte, for example. I can go, I can see them going out and offering him a max kind of out of desperation just because, you know, you have like an eight and LaMelo kind of combo, which, you know, young, young guard, young big, like would be a decent duo. Um, obviously like LaMelo is a star already. So, I mean, I think I could see that, but I don't think, I don't think Troy Weaver is looking to, uh, offer a max to someone like that anytime soon. Um, and rightfully so. I don't think he, uh, he really earned that in the playoffs. And obviously the playoffs, um, is just like, you know, they only played what, like 12, 16 games. Um, or not even they played because it was only two rounds, but yeah, obviously that's like part of the whole 82 game, not even like you get what I'm trying to say, (laughs) like 14 games out of like, you know, playing on top of the 82 game season is not like you're not getting the full picture, but you are playing against the, the best competition. So that is important. Um, so I don't think he lost all of his money, but I think he definitely lost a max. But I can't see a lot of teams going out and paying him 
you know, 20, 25 mil a year. Um, he's just not going to be in the role that he is in Phoenix, which is being, you know, the number two guy on some nights and being like the number three guy um, on other nights. But I can see him being in like, you know, yeah, the like more three to four role, but not really moved up that high. I can also see Phoenix doing a sign and trade as well. Um, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of sticky situations going on around the league. Um, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is just Utah. Like, do you want to just give up, like, just trade Gobert for Aiden? Like, something like that. Because, obviously, you just be replacing him. So, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Vinay? Yeah, at first I want to say DeAndre Aiden is a – He's a good player. Like he scores with these scores of really high efficiency and, you know, he can play defense from time to time, but I don't know, just like the attitude he brings, I just get kind of concerned if that's like the guy you're paying. We, I don't want to, I wouldn't compare him to Andre Drummond, but the Pistons have kind of been through the experiment of paying, especially paying a, a big man like that much money. So like I, if I'm Troy Weaver, I'm personally holding the money. I'd probably give it for like half that to like Mitchell Robinson or something just to get some more bounce, get some more bounce on the team. Um, I think DeAndre, like you said, I think he kind of played himself out of the max. It would be kind of foolish to give him. If the Pistons could get him for like 20 million, 25, I mean, maybe not 20, but 20 million, then perhaps, sure, why not? But um, yeah, I don't know. He, It's just like, I felt like he kind of gave up on, obviously we don't know the dynamics of the locker room, but it just kind of felt like he gave up on the Suns or there was obviously some altercation between him and Monty Williams. And it's just an awkward situation overall. And you have to consider that when bringing him to Detroit, if you want to bring in winning players, you know, high care. And I'm not going to come at DeAndre Ayton's care because he for all could be like a really good winning player, but you have to factor that in on whether or not, you know, let, let me use this example, Marvin Bagley, was having beef in Sacramento with the coaches. But you can look at that as, okay, maybe Marvin Bagley's in the right here because Sacramento is just such a, it's run such a terrible organization. But with Phoenix, like they won 65 games. There's not like there was like a bad organization. They built a really cohesive roster and you're still having problems with like the coaching staff. So that to me wasn't the best of looks. I do, I mean, hopefully he does get paid. Like hopefully someone takes it on him. But if I'm Troy Weaver, I think, I think I'm personally out on the DeAndre in sweepstakes. I like Brunson. I, I do like Brunson, but I honestly think Dallas is probably going for him. I think Dallas is going to do whatever they can to keep him, but that's where I'm kind of at on DeAndre Ayton. It is, though, falling into plan. If the Pistons did want to get Ayton, this was, like, the perfect thing to happen for them because I don't think he's coming back to Phoenix. It just That's just an awkward fit at that point. I think I will say this quickly. For the Pistons' case specifically, you're looking – like four or five years down the road um whether you want to give that max or you want to pay him a lot of money you got to look at Cade's contracts coming up I know they're not their payroll is not a lot right now but you got to look at when Cade's contracts coming up the lottery which we're about to get into and who they take if they get you know the number one pick or a top three pick and that guy turns out to be a stud is it is it going to interfere with that? Because if it's going to interfere with that, then I'm probably out. But if you sign him for 
you know, two, if you sign him for three years and give him 25 mil, um, honestly, I probably wouldn't, I I wouldn't hate it. That's not the worst thing in the world, but I think it's how long the contract is going to be more than how much money. Yeah. Because he's going to get a lot of money regardless. Yeah. I agree with that. Actually. Yeah. The shorter the contract, the better. So as long as it's two or three years, then fine, by all means, go for it. Yeah. But, but a guy like that doesn't get a two year contract though. That doesn't happen. No, you're right. It's, it's unrealistic to think. Yeah. Like it's going to be a four year deal. Um, if it's from Phoenix, it can be a five year deal, but I don't, like we said, I don't think it's going to be Phoenix. So I think he's getting a four year deal. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to say this. I think DeAndre Aiden makes a lot of sense for Detroit. Um, And I would pay quite a bit if I'm Troy Weaver to get him in in Detroit. Here are the facts. The Pistons and the city of Detroit, whether we like it or not, and I hate to be that guy, but it's not a big market. It simply isn't. And so the Pistons and all the other professional teams in Detroit have to overpay for free agents. That's just – it, it sucks, but that's just how it works. And so, you know, it would be nice to be in an ideal world where the Pistons were at least a medium, you know, pretty medium or, or high market team. They're not. I mean, OK, I think they are. They are. I, I, I don't I don't think so. They're a top, I think they're top I'm not saying I'm not saying they're the smallest market team. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But the fact is, this team has been in the bottom five in attendance for the last seven years. This team, like, it just doesn't draw the same uh, amount of fans like it used to. Now, I think that could definitely change, and I think the city is coming back a lot, and that will affect the professional teams. But I'm just saying right now, the Pistons have to realize that a guy of DeAndre Ayton's caliber um, in the situation that he's in where I think it's quite a possibility that they can get him, that doesn't come around too often. Like DeAndre Aiden, in my opinion, is a good number three option on the championship team. And if I'm Detroit and Troy Weaver, you already have your number one guy. I think Cade Cunningham is a solidified, he will be a solidified star in this league in at least two years. And so you have your number one and you can get your number one, number three. You can find that number two either in this year's draft or in free agency down the line. Because that's the other thing, by the way, their payroll is so low that they have a lot of flexibility that, I mean, they have $25 million in cap space this year. They can easily free up the other $7 million for Aiden's possible max contract. And from there, the year after that, they have about $70 million right now in cap space. So you can not only pay for DeAndre Aiden, you can pay for another max contract too in next summer. And so if I'm Troy Weaver, I go for it. Because what have we been saying all year long? Cade Cunningham needs a rim threat. He needs a vertical threat a guy who can protect the rim on defense and then on offense can run the pick and roll and throw down dunks. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need too much more else with this, with a center, but Aiden does that so well. He's a really good defender. People don't realize. And so I think the fits perfect with Kate Cunningham. And I think, you know what, if you pay the max there, I think they're paying realistically Deandre Aiden, the worst contract he's going to get is four years, about 110 million that that's the worst it's going to get the possible max is four years 131 million so in my thinking like the worst case detroit pays five more million a year um than other teams would and i think that's fine if that means you get your guy so another thing i'll say by the way real quick since i know we're, we're starting to run out of time on this but 
Um, if it doesn't work out, if DeAndre Aiden has the character issues like Vinayak, like you guys have said, and I think that's a big if, by the way, because nobody knows him. But if it doesn't work out, then so be it. It's just a four, it's a four-year contract, which I know sounds like a lot, but Cade Cunningham's contract is three years left on the rookie deal. And so the time that Cade's contract extension comes around, which will be a max contract, Aiden will only have one year left on that deal. So we can go through this cycle then of, well, you can pot, you're going to have a ton of free agent or cap space to sign free agents once Aiden's contract is over. And that's a big if. That's if it doesn't work out. I really think it works out with DeAndre Aiden and Kate Cunningham. I think this team will make the playoffs next year if they get Aiden. Uh, I think they'll be that good. So we'll see. Um, but we got to move on. So the next topic, though, is it's lottery time, right? It's lottery time, boys. So tomorrow Sir. Um, is the lottery. Today we are recording it on Monday, the 16th of May. And so on the 17th, like I said, tomorrow will be the NBA lottery. The Detroit Pistons have the best possible odds at the number one, number two, number three, and number four picks. From there, though, they can fall all the way to number seven. So they can be anywhere from one to seven. And so where do you guys expect Detroit to land? And what is considered a win for the Pistons? <laughs> I think uh, this is a tough question. Where I expect us to land, my uh, my negative brain is just saying seven, the worst odds. But um, I honestly think as long as it's top five, I'm not like I'm not like losing sleep over it. I think. Last year was a much different situation. They needed the number one guy, and guess what? They got that number one guy. They got Kate Cunningham. Now you're kind of looking for that number two or just a really good role player, three option. I'm not sure. Like you said, DeAndre could be the three, but um, there's not – I don't think anyone in this draft is a bona fide number one player, but you could definitely get a really good two. So top five, like I've, I've kind of made the list of um, Paulo, Chet, Jabari, and then you get like Ivy and Sharp. Those are like the five players, which I think have the most swing potential, which I know uh, there's a lot of Matherin and Murray fans. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll be solid NBA players. But I think the five players I listed, if the Pistons can get their hands on one of them, you at least can take a swing and hope one of these players can become a star. So that's how I'm feeling. Not as stressed as, uh, as I was for the last lottery, but uh, no, definitely stressful. Obviously the Pistons would welcome the number one pick. A top three pick would be great, too, to pick between Paolo Jabari or Chet. But, um, yeah, I will also say Jaden Ivey has kind of grown on me a little bit more. I think initially I was still low. And there is, like, really a lot of concerns about the shot. But if I'm looking at players who I think, okay, this guy could be a star, I think Jaden Ivey has to be on the list in terms of upside. And that makes me a little bit more um, inclined towards him. Shaden Sharp, I'm going to be honest, I don't know anything really about him. I don't think anyone does, and he's kind of a mystery wild card, but that's kind of intriguing, you know, so being the number one player in his class, and he has really great intangibles, great wingspan and stuff like that, but, um, but yeah, those are, those two players are players also I'm kind of looking at with a little bit more optimism than I was before, but yeah, top five, I think Pistons are good. Six, seven, it's tough, but um, I don't think this draft makes or breaks Detroit's future. It will, though, give us some clarity to 
how they deal with Jeremy Grant and, you know, if they go with uh, DeAndre Ayton for sure, though. Yeah. I mean, I think for this draft, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they they didn't get the number one pick because I think, like, last year, you have, you know, two, three guys that you really like, and you can just have the other teams decide for you kind of if, if the – the um, front office is split on, you know, Chet and Paolo or, you know, Jabari and Paolo. Um, the first the first overall pick kind of decide that for you. So I think, you know, having pick two would kind of be ideal in this situation. And then you can move from there. But the Pistons have had such bad luck with the lottery um, outside of last year. So I'm praying to God they're not in uh, six or seven range and they get, you know, two, three or four. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Ivy is lower for me. I do like Matherin. Um, I do think Shaden Sharp is also intriguing uh, just because, you know, some of these G League guys and some of these guys that have sat out not only in basketball, but also football have kind of, blossomed into players that you know people didn't really think you know or they just didn't really have an idea of what on who they are and then you know they work out and they have a good workout and you don't really think uh overthink or like think too hard about it and you just take them and it ends up turning out well so I think that's something that they could look at but yeah I'd say my top five I mean, again, it's changed so many times, but I think it's still, uh, yeah, probably I'd say Paula one, Jabari two, Chet three, Mathurin four. And I mean, I haven't watched Shaden Sharp, so I guess I'd put Ivy five. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely am about to do a deep dive into Sharp if the Pistons uh, get, you know, four through seven. Yeah, Aiden, I'm with you um, on that top five. I think that, you know, I, I personally would have Jabari over Paolo at one and two. But I think with this draft class, you know, the top three are in their own tier. It's pretty interchangeable of Jabari, Paolo, and Chet. From there, I think the second tier is, in my opinion, I think it's Ben Matherin and Jaden Ivey. I'm not sure I would really include anybody else. And so – I think what would be considered a win for Detroit is to be picking top four, because if you're pick, if they're picking top four, they get a chance at Chet Jabari Palo, possibly if they're fourth, that's unlikely, but they get a chance. Worst case, if they're picking fourth there, they get their selection between Ivy and Matherin. And that matters because you want Troy Weaver to get his pick of those two. Um, but I think it would be, just a nightmare if they fall to seven. If they fall to seven, Pistons fans need to have a protest of the NBA because that would be so awful and so unlucky. And it there's literally just a 7% chance that that happens because the only way that that happens is if all three of Houston, Orlando, and Detroit all don't get in the top four, which is extremely unlikely. And so, yeah, seven, picking seventh would be brutal. Six would be bad. And fifth, I think, is okay. But if, if so long, if they're in the top four, that's a win for Detroit. 
And if they're picking one or two, I mean, that would be insane. I just find it really light, unlikely that the NBA gives the Pistons a one or one or two pick um, two straight years in a row since I personally think the NBA kind of rigs it every year. But, hey, that's just me. So um, I'll say this briefly, by the way. I think the number one pick's going to Oklahoma City. Uh, I just think that they're due, and I think the NBA always has this thing of they follow storylines, and I think with the Thunder and what they have with Giddy and Gildas Alexander, I think they get the number one pick because they've also been unlucky in the lottery. So that's my prediction there. Um, briefly, guys, before we finish this episode, um, give me your predictions for, like I said, who, who's the number one, who's picking number one tomorrow, um, and then – for the rest of the playoffs in terms of who won each series and in how many games. I can go first. This, this is going to be kind of cool to look back and just be like, damn, how wrong were we? But uh, um, I'm going to go number one. Give me, give me the Indiana Pacers. Good team, solid organization. They haven't done anything. They've been kind of mediocre. Let them get one win for the, I think a smaller market than Detroit actually. Um, and then I, I got heat warriors and I think warriors um, end up taking it all. That's my that's my prediction. Where did, where is this small market Pistons team thing coming from? Oh, they they, they are our top ten top ten market. I mean, the attendance level has been low because they've sucked. What? Hey, do you think yes. the Pistons are a top ten market? I don't think we're top ten. Yes, that's okay. crazy. You're telling me if I, if you're an NBA Knicks, player, Brooklyn Bulls, Lakers, Clippers. Warriors, Miami, who, Toronto. Houston, Toronto, Toronto, Atlanta, and who? Like oh, Atlanta. Oh, okay. But like histo- okay, historically, yeah, historically, like the amount of basketball thing though, and the like the amount of so much. the amount of fans that the Pistons have. Like I know they don't have a large like Insta and like following and everything, but still. There, I mean, Detroit is a large, like, metropolitan area, so uh, they do have a larger fan base than people think. Hey, we okay, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. They're not a small market team, but I think they're like a medium. They're not a. They're not. They're, a I know they team. are. They're medium, but they're not. Okay. Like, yeah. They're yeah, but okay. Um, I think Houston actually gets away with the first pick. Um, but I do, I do think Oklahoma City finds a way to get away with Paulo. I just I don't know I can just see him in the OKC jersey and then I would say he or not I'll go Celtics just because they proved me wrong I'll go Celtics Warriors with the Warriors winning it all okay yeah I'll go no love for the Mavs Mavs, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not going Mavs either (laughs) I'll go I'll go Warriors beating the Mavs uh, I'll say Warriors and six in that, and I'll say Celtics and six in that series. And I think the Warriors win it all with my man, Jordan, Mr. Pool Party Pool. I think that the Warriors win it in the champ in the finals in seven games. I think that would be a stellar series, Warriors and Celtics. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think OKC wins the lottery. I think the Pistons we'll be picking either fifth or fourth is what I'll say. So, um, but yeah, I guess, uh, is there anything else you guys have to add? Nah, man, I'm, I'm ready for this, uh, for this lottery and yeah, well, 
we'll low-key try to get a reaction bid out there somehow i don't know yeah, how for sure i'm gonna I'm take it a reaction bid. Yeah, yeah so content is coming for that for sure that's yes, going on tiktok and twitter and insta so yeah, yeah make sure to follow the socials um like but yeah we will subscribe. we will yeah like and subscribe <laughs> we will uh get that we'll get get an episode out post lottery as well as talking about the rest of the playoffs too and the finals to come so per usual thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it make sure to hit us up on the socials message us whatever you want to hear and so on and we will see you next time go pistons and pray for a top four pick peace